You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Make noise! It's Making Monsters with Taylor Dahl. It's like beer and brats, a perfect combination. You know the deal. All right, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Making Monsters. We are coming off a victory against the Vikings. It wasn't pretty. No touchdowns were scored, but a lot of field goals scored by our guy, Cairo Santos. And that's why this week we are highlighting him for our Making Monsters episode. And Cairo's a very interesting story. Uh, we'll get more into that as we talk to a couple people that I have planned here. But I want to go over some of the numbers real quick of what Cairo Santos has been able to do this season and especially this last month. Uh, for example, he's 12 for 14 on field goals and 5 for 5 extra points in November. He led the NFL in field goals, made attempts and points, scoring 41 points in the month of November uh, with those field goals. He's 5 for 5 in field goals between 20 and 29 yards, 9 for 9 uh, between 30 and 39. The two he's missed this se- uh, this season has been between 40 and 49, but he's made he's gone 6 for 6 in all of his 50-plus yard field goals, and he's only missed one extra point. So he's definitely having a season, and we saw some moments last year where there was a little concern. He missed a few uh, within a few weeks. He addressed that to the media and said he he figured out he was lining up at the wrong hash mark, changed that, and since then has been absolutely outstanding. So we're going to talk to one of his former coaches, Coach Will Smith. He's uh, He was the assistant coach for St. Joseph Academy in St. Augustine while uh, Cairo Santos was there. So, Coach, thanks so much for hopping on with me. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, it's, it's a little bit of a blast from the past. I mean, uh, Cairo is historically, you know, there's not – as a high school football coach – there's not many of us out there that have a long list of uh, players we can say that uh, we, you know, we coach them in there now in the NFL. And then not to mention, uh, in addition to that list, those that are currently successful in the NFL. And, you know, Cairo uh, had played for me uh, in 2009 before he went on uh, to Tulane. And so you have to understand that it, it, it's been quite a few years uh you know, in, in my coaching background since he's been with us in St. Augustine, but uh, his memories are very fond and I, I'd be happy to talk to you uh, about uh, his time here in St. Augustine and at St. Joe's and, you know, any questions you have, I'd be happy to answer them. Well, thank you so much, coach. And I, I know it has been a while, even when I was going back and looking at, and it's funny because, so I graduated high school in 2009, but I'm so used to covering guys now, like most of my Making Monsters episodes, the guys were graduating high school and like, 1718. So when I saw Cairo was 2010 or 2009, I guess 2010 was like his final year, his season. I was like, oh, this is more similar to what where when I was in high school. 
school, which is kind of cool. But um, so let's talk a little bit about your first impressions of Cairo Santos, because the stories that I've read, obviously, he was a foreign exchange student. He came to St. Joe's actually to just learn English. He was going to be there just a year to learn English and kind of watched a football game and decided he wanted to try out for the team. And uh, it obviously went well from there. He's playing in the NFL. But tell us a little bit about your the first time you saw Santos kicking field goals or kicks. Okay, but I, I think before I allude into that, I just want to tell you a little bit about the landscape of St. Joseph's Academy versus yeah. St. Augustine. So St. Joseph's Academy is a small Catholic high school that, uh, you know, probably we have maybe 170 athletes to choose from. Uh, particularly in that era that Cairo Santos was there, we, we, we basically played Ironman football. I mean, we, there wasn't much left over on the sidelines. You know, mm-hmm. when we had 11 on the field, there wasn't much left over. So, so, so why is that important in this story? So everybody that came out for the team, we had to find a job for them. We needed, we needed everybody to contribute because of the numbers that we had. So now you, now you take the fact that you have uh, generally uh, athletes in the county that either maybe struggled at uh, the, the high school in the county, high school, St. Augustine High School, mm-hmm. which I'm going to get in, in a second. And, you know, they have a tradition of winning. At the time, Cairo was going to continue on. I had the pleasure of coaching with them, too. They had, like, you know, 20-some-odd district wins in a row. So if you played for them, you they had the football program. You know, St. Joe's was known for being uh, a small uh, high school that produced leaders, particularly uh, uh, on Cairo's team, I'll tell you in particular, there were dentists, there are uh, captains and colonels in the military, uh, there there are guys that, uh, very few guys went on to play Division One football, even though Cairo's years were lightning in a jug. Mm-hmm. So why is this so important to tell you about my first impression of Cairo? So, so now I, I get somebody who's never played football before, and the challenge is, okay, where can he help us? So, of course, you know, in my brilliant coaching genius, I was like, well, maybe we could have a wide receiver or a defensive back, you know. And, and I can honestly say the precipice of this whole conversation is that I can take very little credit into figuring <laughs> that Cairo was a kicking talent because it was my job as the offensive coordinator to try to find a way to get every bit of athletic talent that we can get uh, and, you know, maximize our offensive potential. So now we have somebody like Cairo who is an athlete coming in, the foreign exchange student, um, the family that he was staying in had a history of, of, of uh, parenting athletes, you know, and, uh, you know, of course, they were very supportive of the program, and they probably encouraged him to for the football team, and and I will say this, uh, anything he ever asked him to do, he absolutely did. He, we tried to make him a wide receiver, we tried to make him a defensive back, and he had a lot of personal struggles, so now he's okay. Well, how can he help us? Well, if he's a soccer player. Now, here's my comes in. If he's a soccer player, well, maybe he can kick, you know. Like I said, I can't take a lot of credit for the decision. So, and then I think the, the greatest part about her story is that when you talk about a like St. Joe's playing iron football, had very few paid coaches, a lot of volunteer coaches. You know, and then you talk about the position, the individual position of kicking. Um, I can't really say that schools – as small as ours, um, have a kicking coach. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like, okay, you can kick, go over there and practice kicking. Yeah. So he was he was assigned a very good friend of mine, who's actually a St. Joe's alum, his name Johnny Parente. He was like the homecoming king his senior year, and he was probably an all-league guy back when they wore leather helmets. No mm-hmm. offense to him. 
but he really wanted to coach and come back to the high school and contribute in some way. We really weren't sure where he could coach on the staff. So we said, hey, we've got a, a, a ball player in Cairo that obviously has some potential to kicking. Can you help him? Now, did he absolutely offer him companionship on the field and, and some advice and things like that? But kicking as a coach wasn't his forte. But that's really where Cairo's uh, story comes in. Very self-motivated, a self-taught kicker, came up with his own practice regimen where he worked on different things. And, and, they, and they attributed to a lot of things for us, both offensively and defensively. I mean, in, in the small conference that we played in, um, you know, I, I, I could sit here and try to quote some stats. I could say every 60 kick was a touchback, but it was more like maybe 20 out of 30. Mm-hmm. But that's a lot at that level. Usually at that level, you don't see that. And something that where we knew he was particularly going to be special, even though we played against another very small football program, we didn't kick a lot of field goals because we didn't have the talent to be able to produce that. But he kicked a 51-yard field goal. Mm-hmm. And that's what we kind of that he had something. And, and there's another interesting caveat to Cairo's story. I talked about how Beehive, St. Augustine High School, which produced a lot of Division One athletes, mm-hmm. consecutive district championships. Yeah, was, they're currently in the Final Four again. We, we are, yes, yes, absolutely. And I, like I said, I've had the pleasure to coach with them. It's an excellent program. Mm-hmm. Coach Craddock definitely brings uh, a, a high-end uh, of football flavor to uh, our, our town. But the years that Cairo was at St. Joseph's, there was a kicker named Caleb Sturgis who ended up being a kicker at Florida okay. who had a small cup of tea in, in the NFL, not to discredit his experience there, but he kicked for the Dolphins. So you have to understand it. Like, Cairo was a guy that played for an Ironman high school football of 170 kids that the odds were ever against him of getting a Division One scholarship. Mm-hmm. He kind of got by accident because we had a head coaching change, and the head coach coming on was there, – there's kind of like a, a, a funny story. There's varying stories, but uh, our, our off-going defensive coordinator had made – was trying to desperately get Cairo in contact with some coaches, and our oncoming new head coach happened to pass by someone from Tulane and said, you know, they said, hey, do you got anybody? Because I guess, you know, you have Caleb Sturgis down the road who's going to University of Florida. You know, do you have anybody? And it was a casual conversation turned into an opportunity for Cairo, which really kind of started out as, you know, hey, you know, good luck, Cairo. Let, let, let's see how this goes. You know, take advantage of the opportunity, get the education. If it doesn't work out to, oh, my goodness, Cairo's the Lou Groza Award winner, mm-hmm. and, and it, which is the top kicker in college. And, and I and and we have absolutely no uh, no hand in any of that. That that attributes solely to him being a self starter, yeah. a hard worker, coming up with his own kicking, coming from a non football background, being a foreign exchange student. Not and and believe me, he speaks the language very well. But as you could probably understand, I was an exchange student in college. Sometimes you don't have the confidence in in your, um, your ability to, to speak the language. So yeah. that may make you shy and timid. You have to acclimate. Everybody he knew, everybody he loved, his entire family was not in this country. So the only people he knew were his host parents and the people he met through the football team. He had to battle through that socially. And also, too, he didn't have a, a, a full four years at St. Joe's. Mm-hmm. You know, he had a, a more condensed thing. So his ability to assimilate at an American high school and contribute at a high level athletically 
in the sport he was already accustomed to being good at, mm-hmm. plus a new sport like football, attributes to a story. And then being able to be kind of like a self-taught kicker and then taking that into a Division One opportunity, which led to national success, which is kind of funny that he came from a town where another kicker of equal ability that yes. went to the University of Florida was that just goes to show. And, and it's, it's ironic. I think there are still people today that don't even remember Cairo kicked at St. Joe's and they still talk about Caleb Sturgis mm-hmm. and Cairo just got the winning kick Monday night. Yeah. It, so, yeah. And it's wild, Coach, because when I when I talk about it, and you can tell that Santos is that person even now to this day. Because I mentioned last season when he he struggled a little bit, he immediately addressed it and said, "Hey, I know what I'm doing wrong. I'm going to fix it." Fixed it. I mean, it was almost the next game. I don't think he missed anything for the rest of the season, and that's the type of person he is. And where he did kind of struggle was some of the the longer field goals. And this off season, he was working actually here in Jacksonville at Episcopal High School, and that's where he was doing his training this off season. And was said he just worked on fifty to fifty fives for the majority of this off season. And you can tell because he hasn't missed one now over fifty this season. So it's really cool. And like hearing that story is it's wild because I went to a high school that had just in my class five. 500 people so to hear about such a small school and him have this story and I, I know I think were you talking about it's coach Andrea Andrea something is that what it is coach Frank yeah. uh, Frank he's actually he's still uh, coaches at the high school level now at the level because of the my children but I had the pleasure of coaching with he coached a very successful program in Jacksonville and he was the oncoming uh coach as Cairo was exiting but you know, uh, to give him credit and some of the other coaches around him, there are a lot of people that believe in him. And really, I think more the story of who he was and the type of student athlete that came to St. Joe's being the underdog is, is what makes his story great and how a lot of people wanted to help him along the way because he was a good kid. Even those, even those that did not know him as well as others, like I said, Coach Andrea uh, kind of finished the conversation that uh, Josh Alexander, who happens to be uh, part of the attorneys here in South County, who was a St. Joe's uh, alum, uh, um, he, he actually tried to make connections for all the players. And his trip, you know, he, he played college football in the draft. There haven't been a lot of coaches that had those college connections. Mm-hmm. We, we probably caught lightning in a jug in those years, 2008 to 2010, where, you know, really wasn't accustomed to putting football players at the college level. Uh, they were more accustomed to pillars in the community. Yes. Uh, and, and, and whatnot. And even at St. Joe's, I mean, St. Joe's had a, uh, I mean, excuse me, at um, St. Austin, uh, this day, um, Dan Mowry is the kicking coach, and he had a really good career. Uh, at, at, um, and again, I've been up on that. Florida, Florida, he still coaches those kickers and mm-hmm. has handed. Unfortunately, Kyler, Kyler draws the short draw, ends up at St. Joe, and he gets offensive-minded powerful uh, uh, offensive coordinator who's really looking uh, to try to keep his defense off the field and use that by uh, a soccer player that can kick the ball out of the end and maybe get put some points on the board if he can get in the red zone. And, and you know, I never would have thought that this – would have ended up uh, the story so many years later because it's about longevity. Like, when you asked me to comment on high school career, well, you know, uh, who watched Cairo be successful as a Kansas City Chief and then unfortunately get hired 
and yeah. then he he was kind of out of school for a minute. And, and uh, I remember one of my sons attending uh, a special teams clinic that him and uh, uh, just put on down here in Flag County, which is just south of where Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. And and we didn't even go for the king, and I didn't even get to talk to Cairo. My son was working the the uh, long method, so. You know uh, that that's just kind of you know how it how it went, but mm-hmm. uh, he has. It, there's a lot of people that are not only big fans of him because that he touched. Uh, you know, it, it was a small time in in history that he touched our lives, but it it, it affected it. It's that uh, in the small time he was there, we did, we wanted to see him move on and do these things, and and so did so many of our alumni. Yeah, and they're 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 very proud of it because. While we have alumni that are doing great things in the community and are very successful, and that's the reputation St. Joe's has, we could finally, you know, we've had some just missed football players, uh, especially in the years that Cairo was there. Mm-hmm. But we have a, we can celebrate Cairo, yes. and, that, and that's and and what's funny is he he's the type of personality if you get to talk to him. I don't think you would ever one if you met him somewhere like you would probably wouldn't think he was an NFL player. Yeah, and such a humble individual. He's so faith-driven and, uh, you know, philosophically, spiritually, uh, intellectually good. Like, you, you, you're, you're actually, you become an instant fan of him regardless of what, he, what uh, the outcomes are on the football field. And for him, he's successful outcomes, but he's always been the underdog, and he's always been kind of behind the eight ball. He's been, he went to a small high school. The odds were against make it at Tulane. Uh, you know, going into the NFL and, and then making it a little bit and then falling short with Kansas City and then catching back on with, with the Bears, mm-hmm. you know. Look, and all, I- all, all, all I can say is the, the biggest thing I'm thankful for is I don't have a fantasy football team unless he's my kicker. That's yeah. all I'm going to say. I love so I, yeah, I, I always have <laughs> him as my kicker, too. And obviously, I'm a Bears fan. My family's all from Chicago, but I've been in Jacksonville the majority of my life. I actually, I work at 1010XL here, which Joe Cower is our one of our hosts for our primetime. He is a St. Joe alum, so he uh, talks a lot about the school and how much he loved the school and how much it means to him and all the people that have come out of there. But when you're talking about, you just mentioned, he, you know, coming back to Chicago to kind of revamp his career is uh it's bold because it's not easy to kick in Chicago it's one of the more difficult places to kick because obviously it's outside they have the wind off the lake when it is winter time even when it's not winter it's pretty windy and he has not missed one both of the field goals he has missed have been on the road this year he does not miss <laughs> at Soldier Field and so it's really wild to watch because and one of the, uh, the articles I read of why he wanted to come to Chicago was because of that challenge he, he said you know like I wanted to prove that I could kick anywhere and if I could kick in one of the hardest stadiums to kick in in Chicago, then that means I can make it. And so it's been really fun to watch this. And you you just mentioned how like just good of a guy he is. We saw a little bit more of that this last week after the win. They posted the videos of them celebrating in the locker in Cairo Santos. I don't know if you've seen it, but if you haven't, you should go look it up because it's hilarious. He is just getting down in the locker room, dancing his butt off, and it's hilarious because you just don't really get to see that out of the kickers much. And Santos was having an absolute blast. Um, 
Coach, a couple more because I know you mentioned you mentioned the kickoffs and the touchbacks during the games and how it feels like it never didn't it wasn't a not a touchback. But just for people listening who may not know, he went 19 for 23 on field goals in his junior and senior year. He had a 57 yarder in his junior year and a 56 yarder as a senior. So when you're watching guys like this kick when you uh, were coaching high school football, what are you looking for most? Are you looking for that power in the leg? Or are you looking for accuracy? Which one is easier to fix? So I, I, before I even answer that question, and not trying to take up too much of your time, you know, as I spoke about the dynamic at St. Joe's, um, you know, if, if at, at that time the history and leading up to it, and even after he left, um, we didn't have had a, a kicker even close to that caliber. Like, if, if you know, a lot of times, you know, I, I hate to say it, and it makes and it takes away from how great I feel that program was. But sometimes it was like the 18, 19 guys we had, line them all up and whoever can kick the farthest, you're higher. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, and then we worked at it gradually and tried to get better. And then if we could find a guy that could strategically put it in different places or we can use a guy with a soccer background, we obviously would. I mean, I don't want to sound that haphazard. But um, when it, when it, one thing about Cairo that I, I noticed right away, and I think you see it, is that you have a true appreciation for his, his kicking strength and ability is to see him up close, he's not a very big person. Mm-hmm. And at field level and almost close next to him, to see the velocity and torque that comes from his hip and the power that, that – and, and no offense to him, but in fact, for fact, he's not a very big man. But the torque and power that he generates, it, it, it's, it, it reminded me, like, if you've ever – because we're close to Daytona, if you've ever seen NASCAR and heard, like, a, a race car drive by and – you know, yeah. that, that the volume of that speed and that power, like, going by you, when he kicks a ball, the thud and, and like I said, the torque that comes off him, it's really surprising. Like, you, 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 you know, you see guys kick in the park or you think you see it on TV, but you can't have an appreciation. And I would say his ability to isolate his strength and power uh, and maximize uh, his ability to kick for distance with such – a, a small body mass. You know, you would think a guy would have to be, you know, 300 pounds of full of muscle mm-hmm. to, to, you know, he could, he could probably kick the ball, uh, you know, it, 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 although I've never seen it, it always seemed like in warm-ups, almost kick at the length of the field. Now, we yeah. know that that's impossible, but when you, when you actually see the it, it effortless and the power that comes from him, I think that's something we recognize right away. And because we, di- we didn't see it often, as I've said earlier in, in the podcast, it wasn't really a tough decision. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it, it was, stood out pretty easily. Yeah, so it wasn't <laughs> like, you know, it was, it, it, there was a, a lot of debate and, uh, you know, uh, we had a, a room of kickers where, you know, we had the luxury of, of, of having them compete with each other. Uh, there was no competition from, from the beginning. And, and uh, you know, I, I also think, too, I've seen, it, it is it's kind of funny, he's grown a lot where his weight hasn't changed very much. Mm-hmm college and the pros is is definitely worked on his fitness yeah he's 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 a bigger stronger than what he was you know yeah well, and it's funny because, not funny for Bears fans, but we have a little bit of trauma when it comes to kicking because obviously going back to the playoffs in 2018, Cody Parkey had the famous double doink and we lost because of that. So it's still to this day when 
it, we're lining up for a game-winning field goal. We just feel the most anxiety ever. And even during this Vikings game, I was like, it was only a 32-yarder, and I was so nervous. But then I was like, at some point, I have to start trusting this guy because he's he's proven to us he can do it. Um, one more for you before I let you go because we've talked a lot about who he is and how he started and all of these all of these different situations. Have And he's very familiar still with this area, and that's one of the things that I like about Santos is because through all of the years, uh, you know, you mentioned he would play for Kansas for a little while. He jumped around for a few teams um, with the Rams and Tampa and Tennessee for a little bit and then ended up in Chicago. But he still has homes here and comes back to Jacksonville, St. Augustine area quite quite a bit what is that just the type of person he is tell you that what about like the type of person he is to come back and kind of call his home now well you know it's it's the same person that that i knew all those years ago and the one thing that i'll say about him is that i can remember 100 percent is you know he had to find a, a a support network of people and he did that through a lot of people that were in the exchange program that you have to understand ended up going to college stateside and not going home and creating lives for themselves. And there were several that were athletes at St. Joe's. So he's created a bond with them in particular. Um, not to mention he's come back. And like I said, he's coached some clinics. He's mm-hmm. been back to St. Joe's. He's actually spoke at St. Joe's. I, I, I didn't have the pleasure of being there at the, the time that he was there, but he has kept in touch. And, and I do have to say, he's a very obscure figure in the community. I think if you, if you try to convince people that we had, we had a, a very successful a uh, professional field goal kicker that played at St. Joe's, um, <laughs> they, they, would, they, they would be like, you know, you're, you're, you're kidding. Um, but, so I think that's a testament to his character. And I also think, too, that, like, he, he's a man of many homes. And I, and, and, and I think, too, like, where I probably know his, his uh, uh, parents, his, his, uh, his, uh, the, the parents that he stayed with while he was, they call it like a host parent. Mm-hmm. I had the pleasure of, of coaching later on in life with his host dad. And, you know, we've maintained a relationship. His parents are very spiritual people in the community. And the one thing I'll say is that he's a man of many homes and he's loyal to those places. Mm-hmm. Think about it. He's from another country. He's got roots in this community in St. Augustine at, at, at a high school. He comes back to the Northeast Florida area. And I bet you, too, if you called people that knew him, at Tulane, they'd probably say that the same thing. He he eventually finds he becomes a staple in whatever community he's in, and I have to attribute to the type of person that he is as an individual, not only as a football player. Because let's face it, some people stay, you know, uh, for a good time, but they don't stay for a long time, yep. and they they don't come back. And and I think that that's something that I remember most about him. Um, I I did enjoy my experience with him. He has touched a lot of a lot of people. I always hoped that I would catch back up with him. There have been uh, some just misses and some things. But, you know, I feel close to him when I – like Monday night I was watching and I had to go to work and I needed to leave. I'm in my uniform. My car's <laughs> running. And, and, you know, I'm like, no, I'm going to wait and see if, if, he, if the kid can do it. And then when he walked out on the field, the first thing I thought was, he's not a kid anymore. Yeah. You know, yeah. He, he's the man who all hoped he would grow up to be and we're proud to, to have shared a small part of life with him, whether that's football, a friendship, mm-hmm. um, a, a, an area code, or, or whatever, and that and that's probably uh, the 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 most uh, you know in simplest form uh, the best credit I can give him as an individual. He's yep. he's never been a stranger, you uh-huh. know. Yeah. 
I love that. And I, I, I'll tell you, it's not a place that I would personally want to be as having to make a field goal in the final seconds of a Monday night football game in the NFL. That's just not, um, I don't think I have the, I don't know what, I, I don't know how to ex- exactly explain it. I think the nerves would catch up to me and that they haven't ever with Kyra Santos. And that's just the, ki- the type of person he is. But at the same time, you see the fun, goofy side. And it's really cool. But, again, thanks so much for hopping on with me. I really appreciate it. This was really fun to get to know him beyond what we know in Chicago. So I appreciate it, and I hope you have a good rest of your day. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks, Taylor. I really appreciate it. I just feel like there needs to be some kind of testimony to credit the character of of a young man who, although he's an NFL uh, football player, he's very obscure, and a lot of times kickers don't get uh, the just deserves Mm -hmm. uh, in the starlight as as some of the other premier players, you know, positions in the league, like quarterback and and things of that nature. So I'm just glad that I can also go back in time and reflect on you know, a time that I shared with him and, and with his teammates because it was a special time here in St. Augustine. Yes, and and I agree. I think we we tr- we got to give the kickers a little more love, and that's what my podcast is all about, Making Monsters. I love uh, kind of getting the journey of these guys and showing that it hasn't always been easy. It wasn't a straight path for some of them, but to see them succeed in the NFL is really fun. So, again, thanks so much, and have a good rest of your week, Coach. Yes, yeah, sir. Tell them the flashes all miss them and love them. <laughs> okay, I will. <laughs> thanks, right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, we are continuing on our Making Monsters on Cairo Santos. Cairo Santos continues to have a successful time here in Chicago, and it's been really fun to watch him as of late, especially after some uh, kicking struggles in recent years, uh, one in particular that uh, stands out the most with the double doink, and so it's it's kind of nice to have somebody reliable. But we're continuing on today with Coach Curtis Johnson. He's the head coach for USFL Houston Gamblers right now, uh, and he was the head coach for Tulane from 2012 to, uh, to 2015, also, Bears wide receiver coach back in 2016, so we'll chat a little bit about that. But, Coach, thanks so much for hopping on with me. Oh, anytime, Taylor. You do an amazing job. I really appreciate it. Obviously, I mentioned you were at Tulane 2012 to 2015. There was some overlap there because Cairo Santos attended that school and was the kicker for 2010 to 2013. So a couple years there with him. Um, he received a, a whole, a, a little bit of attention from other schools. And a, a coach, I talked to his high school coach to start one of his high school coaches to start this podcast. And uh, he, yep. he said, Wonderful things about Cairo when it came to be on the field, off the field, his work ethic, everything he'd like to do. So I'd like to hear a little bit about that from you, too, once he got there. But he ended up choosing Tulane in January of 2010. During his time there, he scored 
312 points while playing for Tulane, making 61 of 78 field goals. Uh, he converted 129 of 132 extra points. He also punted for you guys, also did kickoffs, so a lot of things. But, Coach, tell us a little bit about your first impressions of Cairo Santos and what he was able to do on the football field. Well, when I first met Cairo, I saw this little skinny kid. I was like, no way he's going to be a kicker for us. <laughs> this little kid, kid, there's no way. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> so, I don't know if you know this. Cairo was the Groza Award winner. And, and, and so, the reason we, we hadn't go, Tulane hadn't gone to a bowl game in 12 years. Mm-hmm. And Cairo actually was my best player on my team. The year we went to the to to, to the uh, New Orleans Bowl. Wow! So at the end of five games, he was five for five. It was it was like we, we were playing East Carolina team that no way we should have should have mm-hmm. beaten. Man, our 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 offense played well, defense played well. It came. We went. We we got. We we managed to get in the overtime. They got the ball first and they fumbled. Oh my gosh! And when they fumbled, I told Cairo, "You ready?" He said, "Yes." Yeah. <laughs> I said, "Go kick it." And, man, he went in, and everybody's like, Coach, what are you doing? I told the media after, I said, he's my best player. Yeah. So I want, my, I want the ball in the hand of my best player at the end of the game. Yeah. He won the very next week. We played <laughs> up North Texas. Same exact thing. We drove down the field. No time left in the game. Cairo came through for us. It was like five out of six kicks. Yeah. That five games Cairo won, won for us at the end. He was clutch. Cold-blooded, yes. man. And, ice water in his veins. Yes, and and that's what, especially from a player like that, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier in the podcast when I was talking to his high school coach, I personally would not want to be in the situation some of these kickers have to be in, especially now. They're kicking 58-yard field goals and final seconds to win a game in Chicago with wind coming off the lake. Like I can't imagine some of the, the situations that they have to kick in, but you j- just mentioned that he uh, won the Lou Groza, the Nas- which is obviously the National Collegiate Place Kicker Award, um, in a addition yep. to several other awards just because like you said yep. he was he was clutch during this whole time he didn't miss a field goal that season in 2012 um he went 21 for 21 had one missed extra point but you just mentioned how the, the ice in his veins effect but how how nice is it to have a player a kicker like that in those moments in those big games where you know you can hey send him out and he's going to be able to make it huge security blanket so 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 you got to understand coaching coaching would 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 get you is inconsistent players. See, see it, it, this is a thing where, where if you're consistent in a in this NFL business, you can play a long time. Cairo is most consistent. The one thing about him, man, I could sleep at night with Cairo because mm-hmm. I knew I knew two things. If we tell him to kick it in the deep right corner, he was going to the deep right corner. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's, it's, he was like McDonald's. You know what you get. <laughs> you know. You, you can go to McDonald's anywhere in the world and get a, a Big Mac or, or those, those fries. You can smell them. That's mm-hmm. how Cairo was. I love Just it. consistent, consistent as he could be. And that's what I love about him. In, in a big leg for a little kid. Yeah. I, I still call him a little kid. He's married to <laughs> children, and I call him a little kid. <laughs> 
that's okay. That's that's his. Uh, that's when you were around him, and we understand. But it is funny because sometimes they'll see you'll see the pictures of them celebrating. For example, uh, the reason we're doing the making monsters on him this week is he made the game-winning field goal for the Bears to win in primetime football. Not this, not this recent Monday, but the Monday before that. No, no, I saw. Yes, I saw so game. so it, obviously very defensive game, and we have I mentioned a little bit of trauma in Chicago when it comes to kicking. So those moments I get so much anxiety watching but it like you said it, it's kind of comforted a little bit because he's been so reliable and last year there was a few games where he struggled a little bit and almost immediately addressed it himself in the press conference after the game he said I you know I know what I'm doing wrong I'm I'm lining up on the wrong hash mark I'm going to fix it this won't happen again and coach what he did was the next week we saw him shift over a tiny bit hasn't missed I think made like 17 straight after that and so that just shows his work ethic too and that's one of the things that his high school coach uh, mentioned is that something that you saw also at Tulane just him being able to put in that extra work because he is a small guy when you see him standing by some of these other players on the football field he looks even smaller but is that the work ethic side something that he's always had with you too absolutely and, and, and what I like what you said about him and, and, and people don't understand he takes ownership in it mm-hmm he messes up, he takes on the most humble guy in the world. But, man, when he messes up, he takes ownership. Very, very, very consistent. And, and, and he'll get out there and he'll run with the receivers and the quarterbacks. He'll live. He, he actually wanted to be a, team, a good teammate. You know, he did mm-hmm. those things. You know, so, so man, he, he, was, he was a joy to be around. I wish more. He was more like a football player, you would say, a kicker. Yeah. Yes. And it's funny because also he went to a small school in St. Augustine. Um, Not many, not many people, not a super competitive football team because they were a smaller Catholic school. And his high school coach said because he was just so the the work ethic side of things and him being able to, you know, take the credibility for a lot of things. And you just mentioned the football player side of it. He was like, we even tried to get him to possibly play like defensive back or wide receiver or something. He's like, he was just a little too small and we couldn't ever really make it work. And his leg was just too, we didn't want to lose the leg that we were able to have. So um, yeah, it's, it's really fun to watch him. And it, it's been uh, just, it also kind of resurrected his career and he picked a hard place to kick in. Chicago is not an easy stadium Man. to kick. And Look. for him to say, and I, I read an interview where he said he specifically chose he said he wanted to go to a place like Chicago to prove that he can. He does have the leg. He can do it in the in certain you know harsh environments that you do have to do it in Chicago. So that just also shows that he is somebody who wants to prove himself at the highest level, which is really fun to watch. You, you know what? In in man, Chicago's challenging. No man, that 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 Lake Michigan. I remember being there. It was it was the wind would it would go one way and it'd go the other way the next. <laughs> But it'll, it'll go three directions in one play. So, so, so to to manage to manage that alone, it's it's amazing for Cairo. And I don't know if they still doing it, but at practice, we practice in Lake Forest. Mm-hmm. At practice, we practice outside, rain, sleet, snow, shine. It was outside practice, so yeah. so he's outside every day kicking. That's that's tough on a kicker. Now, and, and, and sitting around, sitting around, and then you got to kick. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so man, his his perseverance. He, he got a, he got a. Oh. A barometer way up there. Yeah, and especially like I mentioned earlier, we're to the point now where in NFL games, 
they're like, okay, well, if they, they can get it to the 40, they may send the kicker out there. And you're like, oh, gosh, this is going to be so long. But they, they do it. They do it time and time again. And it, it's really fun to watch. But, Coach, you just mentioned your time in Chicago. I mentioned you were the wide receiver coach there in 2016. Um, now, the season itself, not the best for the Bears, but they had a name nope. that a lot of Bears fans love and Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, he was on the team that oh. year, and Jeffrey is still – holds the third third most and bears receiving yards for the franchise as a whole um, and still holds that record. So what was it like for you to be, to work with Alshon Jeffrey and see what he was able to do on the football field? Never, never had a problem with Alshon. He was a tremendous talent. The one thing Alshon could do, man, he could jump and he could get the ball out the sky. Mm-hmm. He was a great basketball player. I, I think in his high school career, his high school only lost one game. It was a game that he didn't play. But, man, he could jump out the gym. Easy guy to coach. Easy to, to – because, you know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm demanding, very mm-hmm. demanding. Easy, easy to coach. Was a pleaser, wanted to please. And really, really, he, he took a love in catching the football. Man, he was one of those guys that just loved to catch the ball. Yeah. Loved coaching I love, yeah, I, I was a big fan of Alshon Jeffrey, and uh, the, there was a couple receivers during that time. There was another one, obviously, I think Kevin White, might have, he was drafted yep. that year or the year before. Yep. Unfortunate because I was so excited for Kevin White, and injuries just kept kept getting him, and it was really unfortunate to see that. Uh, but there were some other guys, I think Eddie Royal was on the team that year. Um, yep. There were some younger guys there that you were kind of hoping were going to pan out, and they, they just well, didn't quite, quite get that way. But Well, well the, the one, one guy who kind of, really panned out for us was Cam Meredith until he yeah. his knee. Yeah. Man, he was playing well. Eddie was doing a great job. Man, what I like about Eddie, he could mentor guys. Now, now Eddie is quiet, but but when he speaks, when he spoke, everybody listened. But man, he was he was a good player. But but Cam Meredith was the one that was that was pretty much healthy and Man, he's had a, he had a breakout season. I thought he played well. There were some good players on that team. Yeah, there was, and it, it kind of transferred over because obviously two seasons later is when uh, they ended up getting Trubisky, I think that following year in 2017. I mean, yeah, Trubisky. And then they, you yeah. had some of these guys, Cam Meredith, and those guys were kind of uh, Josh Bellamy still kind of lingering on, and you yeah. were seeing a little bit yeah. of success. Yeah. But, Coach, you said you were, you were watching the game the other night. What are your thoughts when it comes to Justin Fields and uh, DJ Moore, their connection they have on the football field right now? Look, DJ Moore is a pain to me because he was at Carolina. He was in our <laughs> Man, what a good player he is. He, he's, he's the one guy that can run all the route tree. He can do everything. And I'm glad Fields have, you know, have a guy like that that can do every everything, can run all the routes. Man, he's, 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 he's super. I like now, now, Phil's getting some criticism, but I like what he's doing. Mm-hmm. What's hard is, is navigating that field and that win. Man, people don't get it. I think as he gets more accustomed to playing in Chicago, gets more, get more games under his belt, you know, I think you got to continue to improve the offense. You got to get him some more linemen, you know, maybe get a, you know, continue to get work with the tight ends and stuff, because that's the kind of passing game you're going to have. You're not going to, have the same passing game that you have in Miami and San Diego. 
because it's just different climate. Yeah, it, it's definitely, and there's a lot of things, and it, it, the kind of the bare way, too, is a little bit different. The, the running game, obviously, in Chicago has mm-hmm. always been such a focal point, yep. and to be able to continuously use that but also be able to build around the strengths of Justin Fields I think is really important, and obviously they're coming up with questions now because it's a little split of it looks like the Bears could possibly have the top pick, and whether they go after Caleb Williams is a, a question now. Um, I personally do not want that. I, I want them, like you said, to kind of stick with Justin and continue to hopefully improve that because we've seen improvements through these seasons. We've had him. Um, but, Coach, final one before you before I let you go. Just being in Chicago, it's a, it's a very, very passionate uh, fan base. They love the Bears, uh, but it, obviously that the wave of it comes with a lot of emotions. What was it like for you and um, just being in Social Field and seeing the fandom and how much they care about the Bears? Passionate, passionate, passionate people. Um, but first of all, I gotta, I gotta say this, man. The food is awesome. Oh, I'm from yes. New Orleans. I mean, and the food was is great here now. But man, I love the food. The people were so engaging. I mean, you can tell they love the Bears, man. We we weren't quite as successful as we wanted to be, but I'm telling you, they backed us to the hilt, man. Mm-hmm. Great fan base, phenomenal. We love it. And I, yes, I love the food. Every time I think about, because I, I live in Florida now, but I have been back and forth between Florida and Chicago my whole life. But every time I go home, the first thing I do is stop somewhere and get a uh, Chicago beef or Chicago pizza tavern style or Chicago. <laughs> you have to get something in the realm. Like that's what you have to do when you land in Chicago. You, you, that's, look, it's, it's a must. It's necessary. <laughs> Uh, well, Coach, thanks so much for hopping on with me. I know you have. When does uh, the USFL season kick off? When does everything get going? Probably we'll get going probably sometime early March, and uh, first games will be like at the end of March. So okay. we're going to get revved up here in a couple of weeks. Okay. Well, good luck, Coach, and uh, maybe I'll chat with you a little bit more once that season gets going and we can hear some, uh, how your season's going. Anytime. You got my number. All right. Thanks so much. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks so much to Coach Will Smith and Coach Curtis Johnson. Um, I know that when you hear the way they talk about Cairo Santos, it just shows how much they appreciate him. And to say that, I, you know, we hear all the time, obviously the, the field goal kickers or kickers are usually the highest scoring players on the team because they do have more opportunities to do so. Usually their careers are a little longer. Um, but so you are seeing a lot of points out of them because obviously you're getting extra points and field goals. So, but to hear him say, you know, you wanted the ball and you usually hear that for the quarterback, like your franchise quarterback is the one you want that, but he was so significant to the team that it, it was the guy that they gave the ball to in big critical situations. And uh, the Bears were able to do that on Monday Night Football against the Vikings, and it paid off. And we just hope to continue to see that success through Cairo. And for his sake, because he sounds like just such a fantastic guy, but for our sake also because the trauma when it comes to field goals it still lingers. I don't know about you guys, but I still just get so incredibly nervous when it does come down to one of those last second field goals that need to be made. Um, So it's been really fun to have somebody that's been reliable. Uh, So now, here we go. We are moving on and hopefully looking for a win against Detroit this weekend. It's definitely going to be an interesting one. We saw what happened last time we faced Detroit, and they were able to play three really good quarters against them, but then it kind of just fell off. So you're hoping that this week they can continue that on, coming off a bye, getting some rest, getting some guys healthy, um, just being able to continue kind of what they've been able to do defensively the last few weeks, which has been really, really good. Uh, But now turn on the offense. 
offense, get the offense cooking again, uh, get the run game moving, and hopefully we see our offensive linemen healthy and being able to protect Justin. And all of those things kind of start to click towards this last five weeks because it's definitely – this is the what is going to tell the future of the Bears and what they do, uh, what they do this offseason, what they do in the draft, what they do with Justin Fields. This next five weeks is very, very, very important for that. And uh, so it's a lot of decisions to be made uh, factoring in on these games. And I know some of you have moved off the Justin Fields train, and that's fine. You are allowed to have your opinion. You're allowed to uh, you know, feel the way you want to feel, and you haven't seen enough, and that's fine. You could say that. I am personally not on that side of it yet. Um, these next five weeks are very critical for me in deciding what I want to do at this point in time. I want to move on with Justin Fields. I've seen the progress through the last few years. Um, is there still mistakes? Yes, there's still mistakes, but uh, there are a lot of really, really good things and everything that we've asked him, hey, get better at this. He's gotten better at it. Uh, now the next thing is fumbles and not losing the ball. So hopefully we see that uh, that get better ball security. That's an easy fix. That's holding on to the ball. It's not like he's making these uh, constant. He's not throwing picks every two seconds like we've seen other quarterbacks do. It's holding on to the ball, and that's something that's very fixable. And so if that's the biggest error right now, that is something that can be fixed. Um, so anyways, we look ahead to Detroit uh, for this weekend, and we will see there's several defensive players that I am working on trying to get some making monsters going on this. Guys like uh, Javon Dexter, definitely uh, Jalen Johnson, another one, Kyler Gordon. Those three. <clears throat> oh, sorry, I did Dexter. I meant Kyler Gordon. And um, we hopefully can be able to get one on him and Jalen Johnson, some of these other defensive guys that have really been able to step up recently. And uh, we'll continue on and we'll see how the rest of this year goes. And uh, like I said, there's a, there's a lot of toxicity on Twitter right now, but let's just look at the fact that this roster has been improved. This defense looks a whole lot better. The run defense looks a ton better. We're getting picks. We're starting to get some pressures now. Uh, DJ Moore is just absolutely fantastic. You heard Coach Johnson talk about um, how far back that's gone with uh, with him. We there's a lot of positives. We we see what Darnell Wright's been doing. We see what Tevin Jenkins can do. We've seen the improvement from Braxton Jones. Uh, TJ Edwards been an absolute monster. Uh, Montez Sweat looks like that's really paid off. Javon Dexter in the podcast I did last week. Obviously, he looks like he's going to be a major factor into this Bears. There's a lot of, lot of, lot of solid building blocks on this team right now. And so now, this next five weeks is just analyzing what those next steps are. But that, at least there's a foundation because two years ago, this roster was and just dismantled in a hot disaster, and it doesn't feel like that anymore. So let's just focus on that a little bit, at least. Um, anyways, thanks, everybody, for listening. I will catch you guys next week. I'm Taylor Dahl, and this is Making Monsters. <laughs>